Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The last 12 months has changed our lives in ways which we never expected. Welcome to COVID Lives, a podcast series that looks at Irish lives during this extraordinary time in history. My name is Gavin Dowd, and I'm going to be speaking to people who have unique and meaningful stories to share about their lives throughout the pandemic. Whether it involved looking out for others, starting something new, or just finding ways to remain positive amidst the doom and gloom. Harry McCann was a student throughout the pandemic, and he has been vocal in speaking up about issues which have affected young people. So, just what was it like to be a student when your social life was put on hold, and what did he miss the most? It was funny because if you hadn't seen anybody in a mask, you'd have thought that everything was the same again. Um, and that's probably where things started to hit the fan, I suppose. This is the COVID Lives podcast, and this is Harry's story. My name's Harry McCann. Um, I was studying at University College Cork, so UCC. Grew up in Clane and Kildare. I went to college in Cork. My parents live in Wexford. I work in Dublin, so I'm a bit of everywhere and anywhere all at the same time. And I suppose I'm also an entrepreneur and a journalist as well. Who do you cheer for in Gaelic matches? No one. No one at all. (laughs) Absolute, to be honest, it would be a bit of a pain in the ass if I did cheer for somebody, but I don't. I don't follow the GAA at all. So thankfully, I don't have any conflicts at all uh, when it comes to uh, cheering on somebody come uh, the All-Ireland time. Good, good. As part of this podcast series, one of the first questions I've asked everyone is, where were you in March 2020 when you got the news that college was closing? And what was your goodbye to your friends like? Did you think it would only be temporary? Did you think you'd be back in time for exams in May? Yeah, so I had a really funny situation um, in, in hindsight. But on the Friday, so the Friday before the announcement on the Friday, so literally the week before, um, an uncle of mine got tickets to go to the Liverpool game um, in Anfield, Liverpool were playing Atletico Madrid in the last 16, I think it was, of the Champions League. So he got tickets for myself, my dad, and my brother had gotten a ticket himself. So on the Tuesday, I think it was, or the Monday, we flew over to Liverpool. And it was just about the time that people were starting to talk about Cheltenham was happening. There was a lot of conversation about COVID and the fact that countries were going to go into lockdown. Nothing had happened yet. There had still been no kind of guidelines or restrictions in place. Um, so long story short, we flew over to Liverpool and we made the decision that things were still a bit kind of questionable. So we had no mask or anything at this rate. So we actually went to the cinema for the day and left and then went to the football match. Now, the football match was the last match to take place, professional football across Europe at the time. There was 55,000 people at Anfield that night and went to the game, flew home that night. 
and the next day I was due to go back to college, but I was actually feeling really, really sick. So I didn't get to go back to college. So I stayed at home that day and the following day, um, Leo Fradker announced that we were in lockdown. So I actually never went back to college to pack up any of my stuff or to say goodbye to anybody. So I was at home then until I packed up eventually, I think it was in May or June. Um, nobody was there. I never got to say goodbye to anybody. There was no kind of college was finished or anything. Um, and to be honest, I did think I would be back. I did think I'd get to sit exams. I thought it was only going to be a week or two. Um, but it kind of quickly became apparent that it wasn't going to be that. So I suppose I had a funny situation in the sense that I went from 55,000 people in a stadium to lockdown at home, you know, and it was kind of unexpected, but, you know, strange in a way. Did you find out what the mystery sickness was? Could it have been COVID in retrospect? It, it easily could have been COVID. Um, we were in the airport on the way back in Dublin and somebody had declared on the airplane that they had symptoms and that they were feeling unwell and there was all this big hullabaloo but to be honest it was before there was any testing at all and um, there was nothing at the time it was kind of we were just obviously just the day before the announcement so I'm unsure what it was I was bed bound for about two or three days with what I could describe as cold or flu symptoms so it easily could have been I was never diagnosed with it I've had tests since I've never had it so I'm not entirely sure but uh, I'd, I'd probably assume it was. Yeah, it's 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 interesting looking back how little knowledge we had of it at all at that point. So you went into on- online college straight away. It was kind of fight or flight for everyone because college is closed and lecturers just had to start putting stuff online. How did you find doing your lectures online? So it was a situation where I was at home in Wexford and my parents were working from home at the time and I have a sister who's 21 and she was studying at home at the time. Um, in the house where we are, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So there was the situation where only one room in, in the house is actually suitable with signal and everything else. So we all sat around the kitchen table, the four of us. Um, what I would describe as a co-working space uh, because of the fact <laughs> that everybody was on calls and everybody was jumping in and out. And my dad had team calls uh, with his people. And my mom was the same. My sister was on lectures and I was on lectures. So it was... I was going to say organized chaos, but it wasn't organized. It was just chaos. Um, we were all trying to do our best, I suppose, from our point of view. Lectures were all online. They were recorded and stuff. But I was physically incapable of watching them due to the internet connection. So uh, we, we really don't have internet to stream lectures. So I kind of just came to the conclusion early on that I wasn't going to be able to watch lectures. I'd read back on the notes and do my best to try and get through it uh, for the time being. It was obviously in the March, we finished up in the May. So I was like, look, there's not that long left. From an exams point of view, there's only going to be one or two of them online because I don't have many exams in my course. It's usually continuous assessment and I'll do the best that I can. Um, so to be honest, it wasn't the most ideal situation. Uh, it was quite frustrating. And I'd say it was for a lot of people like me who are in areas where broadband is poor or non-existent, but you know, we, we got through it. So it's, it, I can't complain too much. Did you find that very stressful? Um, look, I, I was stressed at the beginning, but I kind of came to the conclusion early on that there was nothing that could be done about it. You know, it was the situation I was in. I had looked at a few alternatives about going back to my student accommodation and trying to, to stay there. But like, you've got the problem of social isolation then, you know, if you're, if you're in accommodation, everyone's gone home. I didn't want to risk that. So I kind of 
said that look the, the risk of sitting at home and missing a few lectures was worth it based on the fact that it'd be around family and around people who i could obviously have social interactions with whereas if i went back to college while i'd have the internet connection and be able to study efficiently and effectively i, I wouldn't have the interaction so i kind of put uh, my personal well-being over my educational well-being Oh no, rightly so, rightly so. So let's move to September of last year when you'd moved out. You were living in student accommodation. Uh, you were ne- near campus or on campus? Yeah, um, yeah about but, five minutes from campus. But a weird campus vibe. Campus, I can imagine, was a bit of a ghost town. Mm. Firstly, I want to just compare so so people can compare what life was like before the pandemic and after the pandemic. Now you can divulge as much or as little information as you want, but what's a what's a typical day in the life of a student in UCC before the pandemic? What kind of things would you have been able to get up to? I described it, I think I wrote an op-ed in The Independent and I described it as dancing on tables and drinking shots until all hours of the night and then strolling home with friends to a place that you've never been before and you'd probably never be again. But that was like that was UCC. UCC is a, a great campus because it's in the heart of Cork City. So you get to the city and the campus are kind of much of the same and the, the atmosphere is fantastic. It's, it's very much a student city. There's great bars, clubs, pubs. Like there's so much to do. The campus is always hustling and bustling. As a student population of about twenty thousand, so like the place is always really busy. Um, and for me, like it was, a, it was a great social environment. Um, and the campus is probably the best place to be on a on a sunny day because it's it's full and people are out doing stuff and it's it's active. So it's busy. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. You know, and it's very it's a social experience. Any like you know yourself, college is is, is all about being with people it's doing things that you know you might necessarily need to do with other people but it's always great to have as many as possible you know it's getting a coffee it's going for lunch it's it's going out at night out um but obviously that changed with covid well sadly nearly everything you've mentioned is prohibited by covid um what was a typical day in the life then when you were living on campus over the past year so it was really strange i remember going back on day one um to Cork and went back into my student accommodation and it was funny because if you hadn't seen anybody in a mask you'd have thought that everything was the same again um, and that's probably where things started to hit the fan I suppose in a sense that you know from kind of September to December things got progressively worse and obviously we had the lockdown at Christmas but I remember arriving back and thinking these everything seems pretty much normal and that's not a good thing because that's going to change very quickly the city was very busy the accommodation people were moving in and out and but it changed pretty much instantly I think it was about a week into it and they had told us that you know these lectures weren't going to resume restrictions were increasing and heightening and that we were going to have a certain amount of college in person but it was going to be online it ended up all being online but the experience itself changed um, dramatically i lived in an apartment with three other people um, and that was the kind of only social interaction that we had for a very long time it was our bubble um, nobody else kind of came in or out. One or two people had boyfriends and girlfriends in, but about after that, it was nobody else. So it, it was dramatically different. I, like I, I can't compare it. It's it's like chalk and cheese in the sense that you go from everything was about as having as many people around as possible to you need to be careful about who's in the apartment because you know nobody's comfortable. And that was the funniest part about it all was that everybody 
I think has a different idea of what they were comfortable with and you're trying to balance that so everybody's constantly checking with the other person if they're comfortable that X or Y's girlfriend comes over or a boyfriend or if they go out or they do this and that and it might have been small things but it was it was trying to manage that so it really it did change it went from being very social to being I suppose anti-social in a sense. Mm, mm. Um, there were these stories from the US about uh, about students being expelled from university as a result of holding parties. There were stories from parts of Ireland about students being fined for holding parties or even just having friends over for social gatherings. How strictly were the rules enforced in your accommodation and was that a big concern of yours? Yeah, look, at one stage it was a disaster waiting to happen. Um, around October, I know there was a huge COVID outbreak in my building in particular um, because of a Halloween party. And I, I know on my floor alone, I could have named six or seven people out of maybe 10 or 12 who had COVID. Um, so it was a situation that, like we were looking at the UK in particular, the UK had a situation where they were actually locking people into their apartment buildings and making everybody quarantine. They were having police standing out at the front door. And I was waiting for that day, to be honest, where the security guards were going to stand at the front door and say, you're not allowed to leave. Um, and I, I was fully certain it was going to come because there was times where in the middle of the night, you'd be in bed at two or three o'clock in the morning and you'd hear dozens of people coming in or out. And look, I, I, I come back and forth on this a bit in the sense that I, I really, it annoyed me at the time and it really, it, it was a bit a pain in the ass when you look at these people and you're going oh my god how much longer are we going to be stuck in this because of idiots like that but i'm also a bit hesitant to be that critical because at times it's it was difficult you know like it, this it, the experience was hard to come to terms with you know it's it's difficult to come to terms with the fact that you're in what are supposed to be the best years of your life and you're stuck in your apartment not being able to see anybody or do anything and it's, it's frustrating and it's annoying and it's stressful so from my point of view i was very lucky that i was happy with what i had but i could also appreciate that people around me were really frustrated and stressed and sad about what they had so it's look it, it was a disaster at times but i personally wasn't too worried about that because look if i got COVID, i got COVID. it was I, I was confident that I would be able to fight it and, and look after myself. And I was confident that I was doing everything I possibly could to make sure I didn't. But at the end of the day, if people were going to be partying and stuff like that, it's it's not my place to be judging people for that. And I can understand, you know, I have a bit of sympathy as well for people. Well, you wrote uh, in one or two or a couple of articles about young people and how they were kind of scapegoated and blamed for spreading COVID and showing disregard to other people's health. And there were videos from gatherings in Galway and Limerick and Cork, which went viral around the time. And people were outraged and to a certain extent, rightly so. Um, but as you yeah. said, there is another side, the student's perspective. But I just want to know from your perspective, how has it affected you as someone who wasn't partaking in these big outdoor gatherings, these illegal gatherings that some students were but people were pointing their finger at you saying, you're a young person, you're a student, you're responsible uh, for spreading COVID and you aren't taking this seriously enough. How has that kind of mentality affected you? Look, I, I, I understand why people were annoyed. Like, look, as I said, I've described situations there that probably were um, reasons why COVID has stayed around for so long or why there has been outbreaks at times, you know? Like, it, we definitely did contribute contribute to spreads and so on and so forth but my biggest argument throughout the whole thing is that there's always going to be a minority of every segment in society that was going to 
not follow the rules or they weren't going to follow the guidelines and they were going to go around and spread COVID without any care or consideration for anyone else. The biggest issue that young people always face in any of these arguments is that, unfortunately, in the media, it's a certain age or a certain type of person that's asked to contribute to these conversations. And unfortunately, it rarely is 20-year-olds or people in their teens because it's just not what the media are looking for. So young people tend to be underrepresented in these conversations. So as a result, when somebody says on the radio that all young people are causing COVID, then there's nobody there to defend them or back them up. So, you know, we were scapegoated and we were scapegoated on a number of occasions. And I think the only people that didn't really scapegoat us were Nefit, really. Like I heard Tony Hulian on a number of occasions and, and um, the deputy uh, CMO, I can't think of his name now, Dr. Ronan something or another, but he's he slipped my mind. Ronan Glenn. But Ronan Glenn, yeah. And they defended us on a number of occasions and rightfully so. But look, I, it annoyed me because I knew that the majority of us were staying at home, staying safe, washing your hands, trying to protect our parents, our grandparents, the people we love, the people who are sick and unwell. And I knew the majority of people were doing that. And every time I opened the newspaper or turned on the TV or listened to the radio, it was that young people are causing spreads. And I think a lot of people shared that frustration because, you know, sacrificed a lot like i i know i sacrificed a lot i know my student experience wasn't what it was supposed to be and i know plenty of people who will say the same thing so it's disappointing to think that you're gone and somebody's going to say that you were the reason why we had spreads or outbreaks but look i didn't try to get too caught up on it on a number of occasions i was given the platform and the opportunity to share my views and opinions and i always took that opportunity to make sure that i set the record straight for what it was which is that a minority of people young people were causing or not following guidelines and restrictions. And unfortunately, a minority of every cohort of society was doing the exact same thing. But unfortunately for us, we put it up on social media and those idiots put it up on Snapchat or TikTok or Instagram. 14 or 50 year olds are, are less inclined to put up their house party on TikTok or Instagram. And, and that's really what it was. It was that we were drawing attention to ourselves um, in a way that it shouldn't have been. So you were doing a three year course, right? Yeah. So nearly almost half your college experience was gobbled up by the pandemic. Yeah, pretty much bang on half of you. Yeah, if you, like we, we went into lockdown in March. So yeah, realistically, just half of it was online, half of it was in person. Finishing your college experience in lockdown and looking back at your final year, final year is meant to be, you know, the kind of momentous year where you've all these seminal events. You've got, you know, your last night's out, you've got your balls, you've got your graduation. And you've got the opportunity, I guess, to say goodbye to everyone that you've met in college. You might be going to different cities, to different countries afterwards. What did you miss the most, do you think, out of the college experience? Yeah, I think it's the moments. You kind of just miss the the spontaneity of it all, you know. Um, For me, it's like there's rarely ever a plan to college I found, you know, there's never like no two days are the same, you know, if you're going out on a night out, the best nights were the ones where you decided at nine o'clock that you were going to throw on a pair of jeans and a shirt and head out somewhere, you know, and then you'd straw back in whatever time in the night, you know, it was things like that that I missed. It was just, it was the real spontaneous moments that just come out of the idea of being, you know, having that freedom, being a bit younger, not having any responsibility. Um, and like it's, it was tough. I, like I must admit, my final year was really, it was an anti-climax at times. And there were so many moments where I felt that had it been without COVID, I'd have really looked back and gone, wow, you know, what a moment. Like there was even finishing college. I, we laughed about this in a number of occasions in the last few months, but I finished college on a Wednesday evening at six o'clock in my 
parents' house on my laptop. I shut over my laptop and that was it done. It was done. Nothing else. I sat down and watched TV for the rest of the evening. And it just felt like everything I put so much time and effort and work into it just finished with the click of a button, you know? And I felt like that should have been, you know, the finishing of an exam, going out, celebrating with friends, you know, there, there should have been something to it and there wasn't. Um, the same thing with results, you know, I got results this week and open up the laptop, check it and close it over and go back to my day today. You know, it's, it's just those things, while they mightn't seem like the biggest thing in the world to most people, I, I, I've said it before and I will say it again, they weren't, they weren't the biggest thing to most people. But when you look back and you go, do you know what, at one stage, they were the most important thing to you and they were the most significant thing in your life. And I think that's what a lot of young people have missed out on is those moments that don't seem like they're big now, but were really big at the time for that person. So I just think, you know, look, it's it's fine. It could be worse. You know, I'm I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm fine. And you know, I didn't didn't catch COVID. Nobody I know actually got COVID or died from COVID or was very sick. So I'm very grateful for that. But like, I, I still would love those moments in real life in in real person where there's no COVID and you know the world is in some sort of normal. Thanks for listening to the COVID Lives podcast. If you enjoyed it please subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.